Give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. You know, we, we read the story about how God split the Red Sea and the Israelites crossed and they were between a rock and a hard place. They were between their past and their future. They were between being slaves and walking into the promise. And then they came to the Red Sea and they didn't know what to do. And I think there's a, a, a lot of times that happens in our life. We come to a moment in our life where we don't know what to do and, we're, and we feel stuck. And you feel like if you make the wrong decision, you're gonna slip back uh, into slavery. You're gonna slip back into your past. You're gonna slip back into your bondage and sin. If you make the right decision, you'll move forward into your promise. But then you get stuck, right? And you're like, Lord, I want the promise, but, but I'm, not, I'm not seeing it. Like, I want the promise, but I don't see any way to get to the promise. Like, it, it just looks like it's just stuck. But then, a lot of times, in the midnight hour, God makes a way. God opens a door. God moves in your situation. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thankful for those seasons and times in my life when God has moved in those situations. Can we just take a moment and give him some thankfulness? We're going to worship in our giving uh, quickly, and then, and then we're going to flow into our Bible study this evening. Um, our elders and deacons are getting getting ready to serve you, and um, I just want to take a moment and pray over your gifts this evening. Uh, some of some of y'all don't give in the room, but you give online or you give by text to give. However you give, you're included in this prayer. I want to thank those who tune in and are watching. Uh, some of y'all are watching from home. Some of y'all are watching from campers, wherever you're camped out, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere beautiful. Some of you guys are watching from out of state, and uh, we love you guys. You're our family, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person again. So let's let's pray over our offerings tonight, our gifts. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give to you tonight. Lord, you you uh, you make a way where there seems to be no way in every area of our life, and you do it often in our finances. That, Father, when we're obedient to you and we give and tithe and follow the principles of the word, Father, you respond in kind. You respond and, and, uh, and you just bless our lives. And, Lord, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to give into the kingdom. Lord, that we have the opportunity to be obedient and do that. Father, I, I, I pray over every giver, every tither in this place that you would bless them according to the principles of your word. Let your promises fall on their household. Let your, their households be blessed and full of your promises. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Worship in your giving for a moment. You were the word of the beginning. One with God, the Lord most You hidden glory and creation. beautiful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a beautiful name it is 
nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. doing tonight so we have dived into thank you so much guys thank you for leading us in worship tonight pastor brad is on vacation this week so he is um 
going up to a conference in Georgia, spent some time with his family and with the Lord. And uh, so we're thankful that the team were able to lead us in worship tonight in his absence. Thank you so much, guys. Bless you guys. Absolutely. Give it up for him. Would you guys turn to uh, Matthew chapter 7 with me? Uh, I want to continue in the series that we've been on, uh, or we started on Wednesday nights, just last Wednesday night, called The Building. And we're talking about the building from an aspect of not being a noun, but being a verb. Uh, so we're talking about the building as an action word, as a part of the process that God does in us and through us, that it's a building process, right? Um, a lot of times, how many of you have ever built a house, right? Not you personally, but you've had a house built, right? Uh, so, so a lot of you in the room have had a house built. And how many of you know that was a process, right? It was a process. And, and sometimes building a house was, uh, was hard on you. It was taxing on you, nerve-wracking on you. It was, it was hard on your emotions. You went through some stuff uh, seeing that house come to fruition and seeing it built. Well, it, the same kind of process that, that you went through building a home is the same kind of process God does with us, right? So God begins to build us and do things within us. So this week, I want to talk about the building part two, uh, which is, which is called foundation, foundation. So last week we talked about the building part one, which was collaboration. Uh, this week we're going to be scrolling into foundation. Uh, so there was two men, uh, there was George and Julio and they were both building houses, right? And, and, uh, George was building a house on one side of the street and Julio was building his house on the other side of the street. And they both decided they wanted similar homes. They both had a similar outlook on what they expected to see at the end of the house building process. Uh, but George was in a hurry, right? So, so George was, was very, uh, very much in a hurry to get the process done. So he started working on it, right? And Julio, uh, was slow moving. So Julio thought through all the processes before he started any, any portion of the house. He thought it through. So one day, uh, Julio's wife came over and she looked and he was still digging the foundation. And then she looked across the street at Georgia's house and Georgia already had, or George already had Georgia. George already had walls up, right? So George had built, uh, had started the foundation, had built the floor and had already started uh, putting up the walls and Julio uh, was still digging in the dirt. So wife kind of got mad at Julio and she said, you know, George already has walls up. They're going to have a housewarming party before us. Uh, they're going to have all the neighbors over to their house before us. And here you are. I'm bringing you a sandwich and a, and a cup of milk and you're digging in the dirt still. I was expecting to see something that resembled a house and you're still digging in the dirt. And Julio was like this. He said, he said, listen, it's okay just let me do what I'm supposed to do and it'll all be okay. So she went back kind of, she was upset, you know, she went back kind of to the house, to the other house and, and George kept on going and it wasn't long that George had his house built. Uh, but Julio dug and dug and dug until one day his shovel made a clinking noise, clink. And when it made that clinking noise, he knew that he had hit rock. And when he hit rock, he started laying his foundation. So, so George had a house that was built quickly. Julio had a house that was built right. 
And he started on the foundation. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. Uh, and this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount uh, from Jesus. And it, it reads like this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight just to dig into your word. And, and have this Bible study and study Matthew chapter 7. Father, we thank you for continuing a building process in us. We thank you, Lord, and, and we submit our hearts to you. We submit our emotions to you. Father, we submit our minds to you tonight. Lord, we submit our families to you. We submit our marriages to you. Lord, we give you everything we have. And we just ask, Lord, that you continue to do the good work in us that you started. And Father, we accept it, we receive it, and we long uh, to see what you have for us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So you have two families in this short parable, and I gave you uh, a little bit of an imaginative uh, look at what it might have looked like if two, two guys were building houses that look similar to this situation in this parable, right? Uh, but you have two families portrayed in this, in this short parable that Jesus spoke while he was teaching. Family one builds a home and rushes the process, quickly putting it together, uh, but paying no attention to the foundation that they built the house on, right? They quickly did it. They jumped into it. They dived into it. They did it fast. Uh, it looked pretty. It, it looked well done, right? But they paid no attention to, where, to the foundation or where they placed it. Family two builds their home but considers the foundation first. Spent the majority of the time finding the right foundation before they built the house. So they find a solid rock for a foundation before they ever, ever built the home, right? So when the storms come, and we know, how many of you know storms always come? Yeah. Amen. Storms always come. They, they, it, it, listen, we live in Florida, right? In the, in the summertime, we're coming into our summer storm season. So that, that means a storm's going to come every afternoon, right? Every afternoon. Uh, there was a point in time in some seasons in Florida where at four o'clock every afternoon, you can count on it. You can look at your watch and you know it's raining outside, right? You're, yep, here it comes. Four o'clock. Here's the summer storm is going to come through, right? And then at some point, we're going to come into hurricane season and, and we always get affected in some way by hurricane season. Whether we get hit by a hurricane or a hurricane comes by us, we always get affected in some way, right? So storms always come. So we know from the start that storms are going to come. From the start of everything that we do, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's going to be some storms, right? That's, that's just a given. We know that. So, so the family who paid no attention to the foundation when the storm came found their home crashing down around them. Everything collapsed around them. The family who built upon a rock had a home that sheltered and saved them from the storm. So the storm came. They built it on the rock. It sheltered them. It saved them. It kept them dry. 
right? It kept them out of the wind. It kept them out of the excesses of the storm coming through. The family who rushed and built their home, it says great was the fall of it, that it collapsed, right? It just shattered. So, so this parable actually wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? Only the greatest sermon ever, ever preached, right? It's, it's a sermon preached by Jesus himself. You don't get any better than that, right? Jesus preached this sermon. There ain't nothing that we could do up in here today uh, that would compare to Jesus preaching his own sermon, right? Jesus preached the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and goes all the way through halfway through Matthew chapter 7. Uh, how many of you know Jesus had a lot to say? Right? Jesus had a, had a long sermon. You thought some of my sermons were long. Uh, Jesus had a long sermon, right? He had, a, he had a lot to say in that time frame. And we get to this portion uh, that we just read in verses 24 through 27. And this is actually the end of the Sermon on the Mount. On the Mount. So this is actually the end of Jesus' long sermon. He starts talking about two dudes that built a house and did it differently. Right At the end of his sermon, he throws in this illustration. I don't know about you, but I always like to look at context of Scripture. Right, and, and, and we always should when we're studying the Bible or we're looking at a certain portion of Scripture. We should always dive into context. We should always look at what's happening around the Scripture that we're reading. Always go uh, back a few paragraphs and forward a few paragraphs. Maybe even chapters and just see what's going on in the context of what you're reading about. Right? So I always look at the context of Scripture. So we go back to the start of just chapter 7. I'm not going to take you back to chapter 5 tonight and, and go through all of that because... Uh, well, we don't have time to do that, but just I want to talk about just chapter 7. What's happening in chapter 7? What Jesus is preaching on before he gets to this portion about the house built on a rock and the house built on a sand. So let's look at, at, at verses 1 through 6 really quick. So in, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, uh, it starts off with, Judge not that you be not judged. For that with which judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he goes into a famous portion that we quote all the time, right? Uh, we, we quote this famous portion all the time about, about, hey, don't look at the what in your brother's eye? The, the little speck in your brother's eye while you're walking around with a telephone pole sticking out of yours, right? You got a telephone pole sticking out of your own eye and you're trying to see with your other eye the speck that's in your brother's eye, right? So it's talking about quit judging your fellow Christians so harshly. Quit judging those that are on this walk with you so harshly, especially when you have issues in your own life, right? That you got some problems in your own life. How many of you know uh, it makes us feel better about our own issues if we can point out issues other people have? Right? That's, the, that's the fleshly part of us, right? It makes us feel better, man. If we can make you feel bad, it makes us feel better, right? If I can look at all of your mess, then my mess doesn't seem quite so bad, right? That's why, how many of you know that's how Jerry Springer got famous? Yeah. <laughs> he, got, he got famous showing people's mess, 
right? And people went on Jerry Springer to point out other people's messes, right? And sometimes their own mess. But, but, but Jerry Springer got famous because of that flesh that we want to see other people's messes and make us feel better about ourselves, right? So, so in this case, quit judging your fellow Christians so harshly, he starts off. And then he says something about that from the telephone pole to the speck in your eye. And he says, don't be a what? Hypocrite. Right? How many times do you, you talk to people who aren't really serving God and you invite them to church and they say, man, I just, I just can't go to church and be in that space because there's a lot of hypocrites there. Right? And, and how many of you know there's hypocrites everywhere? Anytime you find groups of people, you find hypocrites, right? And, and we use that word hypocrite today uh, as, a, as a slanderous thing. And, and it is, you know, but, but we use it like a slanderous thing. Like, oh, you are a hypocrite. You know, we get in a fight with somebody and go, don't be a hypocrite. You know, you're such a hypocrite. And we, we use that word a lot. But actually, it was a Greek word that meant actor. Right? It, it meant actor. Uh, some of y'all's favorite people are hypocrites. And they do it for a living. So, right? Some, some of y'all like watching Clint Eastwood. He's a hypocrite. Right? He's doing it for a living. He's acting. He's, he's pretending to be somebody he's not. So when Jesus is, is preaching and he says, don't be a hypocrite, what he's talking about is don't be fake. Don't be fake. It, he, he's not saying don't be an actor. Right? Don't go get a job and be an actor and be in a movie. That's not what he's saying. He's saying in your everyday walk and in your life, don't be fake. Quit being fake, right? Don't be playing a role that you're not really living. Don't be pointing out others, others' downfalls and judging other people while secretly you got these own issues in your own life, right? So Jesus is saying, this is the issue. Uh, don't be fake. Don't be like this. Now listen, uh, there's some extremes in this, in, this, in this thing, okay? And I don't want anybody to go any extreme right? Because uh, how many of you know we need to be balanced? Because there's some extremes in this. You can go, you can be so transparent that you just appall people everywhere you go, right? Well, you know what just went through my mind? Blah, 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 blah. And people are like, I don't even want to be around this person, <laughs> right? Like you can't be so transparent that you just are like nobody wants to be around you, right? You got to have balance in all that you do. But also don't be so fake that when people get to know you, they're shocked, Right? Because we could be so fake that people are like, man, I'd really like to spend time with that person. And then they spend enough time with you that you let it slip who you really are and they're really shocked. Right? So we can't be, we can't be so transparent that we're, we're just scaring everybody off. But we also can't be so fake that when people really get to know you on a deeper level than just surface that they're shocked. Right? We've got to be who we are. We've got to allow Jesus to work on who we are, right? So, so we, don't, we don't be fake and we don't judge other people based on that. And then verses 7 to 12, coming into this, verses 7 to, 7 to 12 talks about keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So he moves into our prayer life. He starts talking about our prayer life and what that looks like. He says, continue in your prayer life. Continue uh, seeking God. Continue asking God for things. Continue knocking and continue in your relationship with God. So in this moment, he's talking about all these things as he's coming up to the verse that we started off with, right? But he's talking about our prayer life. So he says, quit being a hypocrite, quit being fake, but also continue in your prayer life. Continue in your walk with God. Seek him. Continue asking him and petitioning the Lord with all your troubles, your concerns, and your anxieties. 
Take them to the Lord. Don't take them to Facebook. Take them to the Lord, right? Don't put your, don't put your mess up on Facebook, right? You, you take it to the Lord when you have trouble, when you have anxieties, when you have concerns. Continue to pray about it. And, and ultimately, he's saying depend on God for those things that you struggle with. Depend on God for those things. And then in verses 13 through 14, uh, what we see is he starts talking about the narrow way. So he starts talking about following Jesus, knowing that Jesus is the only way of salvation, right? Jesus is the only way. Don't get, don't get distracted by false gospels. Don't get distracted by false promises. But understand and know that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And Jesus is the only way to true abundant life on this earth. So he's our only way to eternal salvation and he's our only way to true abundant life as we live today. Jesus is the only way, right? So he says, follow me, knowing that he is the only way of salvation, knowing that Jesus is the only way. Uh, be aware of what is in your heart is more important than your works, right? So be aware that what is in your heart is more important than what you show outwardly. So a lot of times uh, we feel like if we do enough good works for God, it might overcome the sickness that's in our hearts, right? And he's saying, don't, uh, don't do that, right? Be aware what's in your heart is the most important. That's why God says he's the only one who can see a man's heart. He's the only one that can, that can look upon a man's heart. He says, men, we, we look at the outward appearance of someone. God looks upon the heart, right? God knows what's in the heart. So, so we need to be aware of that. What's, it's more important what's in our heart than our works. How many of you know you can fool somebody by your works, but when they get close enough to see what's in your heart, it tells the tale. Right? You can fool somebody a long time with your works, but when they get close enough to, to understand what's in your heart, that tells the tale of your life. And then he continues preaching. How many of you know Jesus has, has given you a lot of meat? Right? He's, he's going subject to subject. He's saying, this is, this is it. This is it. This is it. He's laying it out for us. Right? So he's given us a lot of meat. In the, in the next one, verses uh, 15 through 20, he's saying, now beware of false prophets and false gospels. How do, we, how do we beware of false prophets and false gospels? It says, you will know them by their what? By their fruits. You'll know them by what they produce. Pay attention to who you're putting stock in. Don't just put stock in somebody and allow them to speak in your life if you don't know what's going on in their life privately. Right? You've got to beware of that and you've got to know. You just don't take anybody's word for it. Right? You've got to pray, listen to the Holy Spirit, and look for fruit. You've got to be a fruit inspector. <laughs> Amen? That was an old Fruit of Loom uh, underwear commercial, wasn't it? With the fruit inspectors. you got, you got to be... <laughs> That was a commercial, I promise. <laughs> My wife's not keeping me out of trouble tonight. So, so beware of these false prophets and false gospels. You'll know them by their fruit. Pay attention to who they are and, and know that good trees bear what? Good fruit. So if you're looking for their fruit, you know that good trees bear good fruit. The fruit is the indicator by which you value someone speaking into your life. Don't value just anybody speaking into your life until you look at the fruit of their life, right? You need to know the fruit before you accept what they speak over you or speak into your life. Uh, the best fruit to check by is what? 
The fruit of the Spirit. Right? The fruit of the Spirit. Uh, how many of you know that bad trees don't produce the fruit of the Spirit? Right? So the fruit of the Spirit is something that we should always look for, always judge by. That's love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? In all of these ways, uh, we look for these fruits in the people that we allow to speak into our life. And if you're constantly being a fruit inspector, if you're constantly inspecting fruit before you allow people to speak into your life, uh, it'll, it will never steer you wrong. Right? The Holy Spirit will always, always keep you uh, tuned in to that because bad trees don't produce that fruit of the Spirit. Verses 21 to 23, guys, is one of, I always say this, but this is one of the scariest scriptures in the world to me. When I, when I read this, I'm just like, man, like it just blows me away. Right? And, and this is the scripture right before he starts talking about building on a rock. But I, I just want to read this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is seriously, because I, I, I take ministry so seriously, and I take the Word of God and preaching so seriously, that when I read this, man, it, it causes me to, to be very sober. It causes me to, to inspect my life, and inspect my heart, and inspect my own fruit, and know what I'm, what I'm doing and what I'm dealing with, because how horrible would it be to live a life that you think you know Jesus, and then you walk in and he says, depart from me, I never knew you, right? So, so let's break that out for just a second. What he's talking about here is something that's, that's so scary, uh, but it's self-deception. How many of you know you can deceive yourself? You can, be, you can think you have it going on and think you have it all together and deceive yourself, you could deceive yourself, self-deception. So a, a, a verbal profession of lordship without the obedience to the will of God. It's people who, who walk around and claim the name of Jesus Christ, but have no obedience to his will. Right? They, they claim Jesus as Lord, but he's not Lord of any area of their life. Right? Behind the scenes, right? Look at everything we've been talking about. We've been talking about fruit. To inspect fruit. We've been talking about all of these areas. We've been, we've been talking about what, what do we start off with, right? We started off with, with, um, with not being fake, being a hypocrite. We talk about all these, uh, have an actual prayer life, being in, in communion with the Lord through prayer. We talked about following Jesus, putting him first, knowing that he is the only way to salvation, that he is Lord. We're talking about all these things. And then he comes into this, uh, a verbal profession of lordship without obeying the will of God. Right? So how do we get to heaven and Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you? It's simply saying, Jesus is Lord, but living like you didn't mean it. Right? It's continuing to walk it out in a way that, that you have no interest in obeying the will of the Father. Right? Never coming to a place of repentance. Never coming to a place of acknowledging to God our wrongdoing or things that we've done wrong. 
Right? Never doing that. So, so here's the even scariest part of that is even a spectacular ministry using the authority of Scripture and the power of the name of Jesus without walking in genuine, obedient discipleship to God. So this Scripture means that there can be people out there that have an authority in their ministry, that walk in miracles and walk in things happening. But behind the scenes, they have no relationship with the Lord. And those people, if if they don't repent, when they get to heaven, are going to say, but God, I cast out demons. I I, I laid hands on people and they were healed. But but God, I I preached a, a million sermons in your name. And Jesus is going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Because he was, they were lawless in the dark. Right? How many of you know it's so important what happens in the dark? It's so important what's going on in our life in the dark. That we've got to recognize that if we claim Jesus as Lord, then we've got to live like Jesus is Lord. Right? We've got to walk in that. We've got to not just say it. And not just be, not just pretty it up, but we've got to walk in that, right? We've got to claim him as Lord and then believe that he is and walk in it. I, I think there's a, there's a lot of folks, uh, there's a lot of ministries with a wrong focus. And maybe they focus on the God of this world rather than the Lord of hosts. You know, and they focus on uh, what they can obtain and what they can get. Rather than what God can do. Right? And, and people have a wrong focus. A wrong focus. Listen. God will prosper you. God will give to you. And God will move in your life. And God will meet your needs. But money ain't what God's all about. That's a byproduct of good relationship with God. It's a byproduct of it, right? Prospering in your finances is a byproduct of walking with God. It's not the sole purpose, right? So if we have people walking uh, with God for the sole purpose of prospering monetarily, they've missed it out, man. It's, It's only a true gospel if it can be preached anywhere in the world. If you can't take the gospel that you're preaching to to the Chinese Christians who are persecuted and hiding in a bunker and crying when they get a page out of the Bible to sneak into their home. If you can't take the gospel that you're preaching to them and it be perceived and, 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 and accepted, then it's not the true gospel. Right? So we need to be aware of the things that we soak in and we got to be aware of the things we uh, we expel out, right? We've got to understand that, that, that God is a God of, of, of everybody in every situation, right? So, so it says, look out for false gospels. Look out for false prophets. Look out for false teachers, right? It, it, all of this stuff lines up in Matthew chapter 7. This is all the Bible, right? This is, we've just gone uh, step by step, paragraph by paragraph through Matthew chapter 7, and then he ends the sermon with this. Uh, Whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like the man who built on a solid foundation. 
whoever applies all of these areas we just talked about, plus chapter 6, plus chapter 5. Okay, we won't have time to get there, but you've got time to get there. Plus chapter 6, plus chapter 5, and into chapter 7, whoever applies all these areas in your life will have a solid foundation. Right? That's how we get the solid foundation. And then he says this, whomever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the man who built his foundation on the sand and great was his fall. He built it on sand. Great was his fall because he built it on the wrong foundation. Right? I think in, in every area of our life we need to have it grounded in the proper foundation. Our finances need to be grounded in the proper foundation. Our marriages need to be grounded in the proper foundation. Our relationships uh, with our kids need to be grounded in the proper foundation. Our households need to be grounded in the proper foundation. Our ministries collectively, because a lot of you are ministers, needs to be grounded with the proper foundation. Right? And, and in order to have that proper foundation, what do we do? We read the words of Jesus and we do them. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be on the proper foundation. Whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the man who built his house on the sand. It's going to collapse. Right? It's going to fall apart. So we need to know that. So the foundation for which we build up our families, our lives, our communities, our inner circles, ourselves is Jesus and specifically the words of Jesus. Jesus and the words of Jesus. Jesus and everything he preached. The red letters of the New Testament. We need to dig up the red letters and start reading them and see what Jesus taught and then do that. Right? If you need to know how to handle your situation that you're in, go read what Jesus said and do that. Right? Read what Jesus said and do that. Right? If we do that, then we'll be on the proper foundation. And that's what, that's what Scripture says. What does Scripture do? It points us back to Scripture. Right? Scripture points us back to Scripture. So we, we exist. How many of you know we exist in a culture today that loves to look at what they built? Right? We love to look at what, what they built. How many of you uh, remember the, the store Build-A-Bear? Anybody remember that? Uh, all my kids... All my kids, well, maybe not Colin so much, but, but my girls, my girls loved Build-A-Bear. Like every birthday, we go into Build-A-Bear for my birthday. I'm like, yeah, is that your birthday present? No, I want a party and a gifts and everything else too, but I want the Build-A-Bear, right? And I'm like, okay, you know, that's what daddies and daughters do, right? And uh, so Build-A-Bear was where we spent a lot of time, didn't we, baby? As, as, as young adults with our little young kids, we spent a lot of time in Build-A-Bear. Uh, we went into Build-A-Bear, and this, if you're not familiar with it, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a layout of what they do. It's a store that has animals already sewn together but flat. Right? There's no stuffing in them. It's already sewn together, but they're flat. And the kids get to come in and go, ooh, ooh, I want that one. And then the store person takes that one off the rack and comes over to this big machine that has hoses going everywhere and cotton flying in it. Right? And they have this big machine and they take the hose and they stuff it inside of this flat stuffed animal and they shoot cotton into it. And the kid gets to see this bear or whatever they picked out just boom, blow up like a balloon. 
right? And it's got all these cotton in it, and the store employee does that. And then the store employee takes it and stitches the hole up so that none of the cotton comes back out, right? Stitches it all up and ties it off and hands it to the kid. And then the kid uh, would walk over and pick out an outfit that's already designed and put together and sewn and created uh, to dress the animals, right? So it's already put together so you can't mess it up, right? These shorts come with this shirt and these sunglasses and this hat right? You can't pick out something that doesn't match, right? This all goes together. This outfit goes together. So you can't mess it up, right? And it's already there. And and Kennedy would walk over and just peruse and just look for the right outfit to put on her alligator that she just made or whatever it is at Build-A-Bear, right? And she would look for that thing and she would pick it out. And then a store employee puts your animal in a box and gives you a birth certificate that it was born on that day. This is Build-A-Bear. And then your kid, who did absolutely nothing but point and giggle the whole time, says, look what I built. (laughs) They go show their friends, I went to Build-A-Bear and I made this. No, you didn't. Look what I did. No, no, you didn't. Like you pointed and giggled. And somebody else made that, and somebody else stuffed that, and somebody else did the portions of that, and somebody else printed out the birth certificate, and somebody else put the box together that you brought it home in, and somebody else built the outfits and even put the outfits together so you wouldn't mess it up. And then you're saying, look what I built. So Build-A-Bear is not a stuffed animal business. It's a business that sells the opportunity for you to collaborate with them to put together something that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do without them. That's what, that's what Build-A-Bear does, right? It's a, it's a business that, if it was a stuffed animal business, they'd all be ready, dressed, and you just pick one out and go home. That's not, it's not a stuffed animal business. It's a business that sells the opportunity for you to collaborate with their employees, to put together and take home something that you otherwise, without their help, would not have been able to get. We talked about collaboration last night, but how many, or last week, but how many of you know God also collaborates with us to do amazing things that we get the opportunity to be a part of that without him otherwise wouldn't happen. God is like Build-A-Bear in our little kid's life. We get, we get to see these amazing results of God collaborating with us to build something in our ministries, to build something in our life, to build something in our families that apart from him would just fall apart. That apart from him would never even get close to happening, right? But with God, we get to see amazing things. With God, we get to see and and feel and experience uh, amazing, supernatural things. Supernatural moments. And then we recognize, hey, I didn't build that. (laughs) It wasn't me. I got to collaborate. I got to be there. I got to lay my hands on somebody and then God showed up and God did something incredible and he collaborated with me to do it. How many of you know God spoke water into existence? God spoke, let there be light and light came into existence. God spoke and plants and trees popped up. God spoke and animals started roaming and running the planet. God spoke and and planets came into existence and stars and galaxies and all of this stuff came into existence and God spoke. And then 
he made man. But he didn't speak man into existence. God got down on his knees and started digging in the dirt and formed man in his own likeness with his own hands to be placed on a foundation that's solid as a rock to be in collaboration with him to see some supernatural amazing things happen in our life. Isn't that incredible? God did that. How many men we got in this room? If you're a man, just raise your hand. If you're not sure, just look at me. I'll tell you. God made you. Look at his hands. And then he said, it's not good that you be alone. And you know what he did next? He put you to sleep. And he pulled one of these ribs out of your body. And he formed and fashioned the most beautiful creature that we ever seen in our lives with that rib. And, yeah, man. <laughs> and then God did something, Miss Florine. God brought that rib named Florine and said, Look what I made you. Look what I created. And he paraded that in front of the man. And the man said, as the old joke goes, not yeah, man, but. Not yeah, man, but. Whoa, man. <laughs> and then man said, whoa, man. Whoa, man. And then after that, every other time he said, yeah, man. <laughs> But God, God spoke all of these things into existence and then he built us. And he, he, collaborate, he built us to collaborate with him to do the work of the gospel. And he built us to collaborate with him to see miraculous things happen. And he built us to collaborate with him uh, to see incredible events take place, to see people's lives changed, to see our own lives changed, to see us built up into who we're called to be and supposed to be. Immediately, he collaborated with Adam. He gave him a job, right? Immediately. So people today are running around saying things like, uh, that's my grind. That's my grind. Yep, look, look what I did. Look what I built. I pulled myself up from my own bootstraps. And people run around today in this culture saying things like that. But how many of you know and how many of you today have to recognize that God did everything for you? God did everything for you. Let's see. How many of you are alive in this room? Half of you. If you're alive in this room, God did that for you. How many of you got breath in your lungs? You got breath in your lungs. God did that for you. How many of you are saved by knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did in your life? Right? God did that for you. How many of you have hands and feet and a brain? Half of us. God, God, did, God did that for you. Right? 
How many of you have giftings and abilities and knowledge and blessings? And you prosper in some areas of your life. God did that for you. Right? How many of you got up out of bed this morning? You had to over you wouldn't be here. God did that for you. How many of you like your paycheck? Some of you. God did that for you. How many of you think you're cute? You didn't do nothing to get that. God did that for you. Right? These are things that God did. We've got to give him some praise for who he is. Amen? And in all the foundation... And in all the foundation on the stone and building our house and building everything that we have on the stone, the best thing that we can do is be grateful to God. We take moments and be grateful. Because how many of you know God will continue to bless you if you're grateful for what he's given you? And if you're not grateful and thankful for what you got, he's just like any other father. He'd be like, well, okay, that's all you get then. <laughs> you're not getting any more until you're grateful for it. Right? If, if we're grateful, then God will continue to pour blessings down on our lives. We've got to be grateful and thankful. So as, as I was writing this sermon, I thought about this song, and I can't sing, but uh, this song by Chris Tomlin, and he, he did an album with some country stars, and the first song on that album is Chris Tomlin and Friends, and the first song on that album is Thankful. That's the first song on there, and I absolutely love that song. Whenever I'm feeling like down or I'm feeling like, man, I just didn't get, I, I just don't feel right today. Or, man, I'm just a, a little down because this is happening and I expected this to happen. Or whenever I'm kind of feeling that way, a lot of times I'll go to my phone and go to my Apple Music and I'll pull up that album and I'll just play the first song. And I'll play the first song and it, 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 it sounds like this. It says, thank you, Lord, for the small things like me and her on a porch swing. For summer nights and fireflies and the sound of my old six string. Blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings if I still got breath in these lungs. That's all that I need to get down on my knees and be thankful for all that he's done. For my mama, for my friends, for his love that never ends. For this song makes us dance on this old dirt floor. For my babies, for my girl, for the way you changed my world. Waking up today, I just got to say, thank you, Lord. So being, being thankful, right? This song. I know you ain't, I know you ain't applauding my singing ability, but, but you applauding the words. That if we're going to wake up tomorrow on the proper foundation, we need to do the words of Jesus. We need to read the words of Jesus, apply them to our lives, have the proper foundation, and then wake up tomorrow with a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness and obedience. Wake up tomorrow, and if it's not the first thing on your mind, make it the first thing on your mind. Start giving him praise. God, thank you for blessing me financially. Even if it's not true yet, God, thank you for pouring blessings on me financially. Are, are you a tither? Start thanking him for pouring blessings on you financially. Are you a giver? Thank him for pouring blessings on you financially in your home. Right? Wake up in the morning and claim that. 
over your life. Thank you, Lord, for pouring blessings on me financially. And then thank you, Lord, for pouring blessings on me in my marriage. If you're married, start to, start to praise God for your spouse when you get up in the morning. If your spouse ain't acting right, start thanking God for them. Right? Your spouse on your last nerve, start thanking God for them. Your spouse messing up, start thanking God for them. Every day, because the more grateful you are to God, the more work he'll do in this situation. So you just start to proclaim. The Bible says to speak those things that aren't as though they are, right? So when you're struggling and going through a situation, you begin to, to, to thank God and proclaim those things that you need to happen in your life. Begin to shout it out and thank him for it. God, thank you for moving on my spouse. You got kids that are wild and crazy and, and, and whoo, they got some demons or something. Lord, thank you. Thank you for my relationship with my kids that is restored and good. Father, thank you for my, my son and thank you for my daughter. And Lord, thank you for moving on my family. Father, I see your hand on my life each and every day. When I get up in the morning and I got breath in my lungs and I put my feet on the floor and I'm able to stand. Thank you, God. Lord, when I walked out uh, into the driveway and I, and I got into a vehicle and I turned the key and it started. Thank you, God. Right? And then all of a sudden a cold blast of air hit me in the face. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning in Florida, man. And then, and then I'm driving at 50 miles an hour down the road. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Right? Man, how many of you know that you ain't got nothing to complain about when you meet somebody from 200 years ago and they go, your car goes how fast? You can get, you can go 20 miles in how quick? Man, and people used to have to just, just fight to get 20 miles. People died trying to go 20 miles years ago. You know, if you don't have anything to be thankful about, I, I'm telling you today that you're wrong. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life and what's going on in your situation. The moment you start to be thankful for what you have, one, those items and those things that you start to thank God for will become to be more important in your heart. Your heart will begin to, it'll become more important to you in your heart. And the more you do it, the more God will move on those situations. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Thank you guys so much for coming out for Bible study. And uh, we're going to continue in this building series and uh, we'll see where the Lord takes us in this, at least for the month. And I feel like God's got a lot more to say. How about you? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence tonight. I thank you, Lord, that people came in here with no hope tonight. And Father, I pray and I thank you that they're leaving here with hope. Father, I thank you that people came in here struggling tonight. Because the enemy keeps throwing things in their path. But as they leave tonight, Father, I pray that they'll have a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness for you. Lord, we declare goodness in all areas of our life. Father, we thank you for, for giving us life and giving us breath and giving us eternal life. And we thank you, Lord, for giving your son to die on a cross so that we could be saved. We thank you, Father, that you allow us to collaborate with you to see amazing things happen. And not just in other people's lives and other people's households and other people's families, but we claim it in our own lives and in our own households and in our own families as well. Lord, have your way in our hearts. Let us walk in obedience. Let us walk in gratefulness. Let us walk in thankfulness and give us the proper foundation 
to walk out our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next uh, Sunday.